This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenal, and today we are doing the first part of this year's Oscar Primer series in podcast format. This is the third year in a row, I believe I've done this now. What happens is every Tuesday, there's going to be a written primer uh, where I talk about a few of the movies nominated for Oscars and what chances they stand to win. And then on Thursdays, we have the Best Picture nominees, where each episode, I'll be going over three different films or thereabouts, but today will be three films that are nominated for Best Picture and then going over category by category what chance they stand to win each of their nominations. So on today, our very first episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Darkest Hour, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Lady Bird. So let's get started with the first one, which is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was directed by Martin McDonough and was released on November 10th. The film has seven nominations, which are Best Picture, Best Actress for Frances McDermott, Best Supporting Actor, Sam Rockwell. Best Supporting Actor, Woody Harrelson. Best Original Score. Best Original Screenplay by Martin McDonough. And Best Film Editing. So the first one is Best Picture. When the Three Billboards premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, it won the People's Choice Award, which is huge. Basically, at this point, if you are nom, if you win the People's Choice, you're almost guaranteed a Best Picture nomination and automatically start as the front runner to win the Best Picture award. Toronto has that sort of cachet in the industry now. Uh, Three Billboards also ended up winning the uh, Golden Globe for Best Drama, uh, which also kind of really adds to its chances. So at this point, I think it's safe to say that it is one of the front runners. That, along with The Shape of Water, seems to be it's going to be a big two-way horse between those two and seeing how things turn out. I think one thing that Three Billboards has going against it is it does not have a Best Director nomination. Now, as we've seen over the last, you know, four or five years, you do not need to win both Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, they don't always go together. But the constant usually is that you're nominated for both to really stand a chance. So the fact that it doesn't have that, that's kind of a bit telling. Um, but uh, it could very likely be that Three Billboards is our Best Picture winner for this year. Now, the other big nomination it has is Best Actress for Frances McDermott. McDermott's won before for Fargo about 20-odd years ago, and now she's back with another great performance. You know, she's not very likable, but she is smart and witty and badass and has a, a purpose for her character, and she grows and changes and all those sort of things that we look for in a great performance. And McDermott really you know, makes us like a really unlikable person. I personally 
would love to see Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird win. Uh, I think that she might be, you know, sort of the dark horse candidate. But I think as of right now, it's most likely going to be McDermott versus Margot Robbie for I, Tonya. Uh Those two seem like the the big front runners. Uh, and I could see that if if Three Billboards ends up picking up the Best Picture win, it's also going to pick up a few others like Francis McDermott. Uh, that would be definitely a given, but I don't think they go part and parcel together. Moving on, we've got two actors, supporting actors in the same category, which is quite interesting. So we'll talk about them both together. The big one is Sam Rockwell. He definitely plays a larger part than Woody Harrelson. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I'm not really going to give away why that happens. But suffice to say, Sam Rockwell plays a much bigger part. Uh, going as far as he is the second lead in this movie and could have conceivably, conceivably been in the best actor race, but he is not. Uh, Rockwell is the, an actor who, um, for the longest time was sort of, uh, went under the radar, was sort of seen as, uh, the best part in bad movies or, uh, really, really great small supporting characters. But then that all sort of changed when, uh, he was in Moon, uh, which was probably close to a decade ago now, finally got his big break with a leading role and has since then been kind of, been a leading man, but not really in the traditional sense. He's still very much a bit of a character actor. In this movie, he plays a probably the most unlikable person in a movie about unlikable people. He is racist. He is sexist. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's homophobic too. Um, just a general terrible human being who happens to be an authority figure, but he does it so well. And he has a nice little change at the end that sort of feels, uh, validated, but at the same time also, you know, there's some, moral qualms behind it um woody harrelson gives a really impactful performance with much less screen time uh i think if one of them were to win it would definitely go to rockwell but in the end i actually think these two are going to cannibalize their votes a little bit it almost never works in the favor when you have two actors in the same category uh so that might lead the road the road to a willem dafoe win um i i talked about it a bit in my written oscar primer the very first one florida project was one i i, I talked about and i can easily see a road for him to win Personally, I think Defoe's performance was the best either way, but uh, it looks like it's going to come down to Defoe and Rockwell to see how things turn out. Then we've got uh, the best original score, which is by Carter Burwell. Um, it's this is a sort of a, a tough category. You know, his score doesn't really stand out a lot, especially in comparison to The Shape of Water by Alexander Desplat. Dunkirk's by Hans Zimmer and Phantom Thread by Johnny Greenwood. Um, Johnny Greenwood is from Radiohead and he actually did Paul Thomas Anderson's score for There Will Be Blood, which a lot of people were really upset that he did not, Greenwood did not get a nomination for that score. So there might be some bit of vindication of him, uh, winning 
for this movie too, which I think a lot of people will be happy about. But I think the real key front runners for this is going to be Shape of Water and Dunkirk and Three Billboards really just does not stand a chance in this at all, despite Carter Burwell being a very talented composer. Then we've got Best Original Screenplay. Um, this is an absolutely stacked category this year, as it usually always is. Um, <clears throat> but I actually personally think that the screenplay is the worst part of this movie. I, I'm not a super fan of Three Billboards. I think while it's funny and interesting and has a lot of stuff going on, there is too many plot holes and loose ends, and you have... Um, uh, a character um, played by Peter Dinklage who serves almost no purpose in the movie other than to be the butt of uh, little person jokes, uh, which is a bit of a shame. And then you also have some weird racial things going on, as in like the only two black people in the movie don't know each other. Then at the very end, they're suddenly dating or hanging out together. It's just a really weird, makes no sense just because they're black. They don't need to be together sort of thing. Um, despite, uh, the character that Francis McDermott plays her convictions, you know, there's some really unethical stuff that goes on that sort of, we're sort of led to believe as, uh, being pure, there's also some weird um, spousal abuse stuff that comes into play very quickly and disappears just as quickly. And you're kind of left scratching your head. Um, <clears throat> if this movie wins Best Picture, it's going to win this award too. I also view this category, both the original and adapted screenplay categories, as sort of... Uh, the Academy doesn't always give that to the Best Picture winner. They will sometimes give it to the movie they wish they could crown Best Picture but won't. So in this category, you have something like Get Out. There's no way a horror movie is winning a Best Picture, but this might be a great way to honor it and give it its maybe only award of the night. Uh, I think Lady Bird also potentially has a chance to kind of sneak in and win this. It's a really sweet story with with really interesting dynamics going on, uh, and the cast does that dialogue so well. The only one in this that feels kind of left out is The Big Sick. Uh, while that is a fantastic movie, it's the only nomination that movie got, and it's a, it's a bit of a shame, in fact. But uh, unfortunately, that seems like that's going to leave this on the outside looking in. So it really kind of comes down to the top four, the other one being The Shape of Water, with the other three that I mentioned before. I really think it's probably going to come down to three billboards or get out, uh, or depending on how things play out with best picture, Lady Bird or The Shape of Water could come into play. Lastly, you have the film editing category. Uh, this is actually kind of a, a bit of a key nomination uh, for true best picture contenders. In this category, you have three of them, Dunkirk, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. So all three of them that kind of boost their chances to win best picture, even though that doesn't mean that they're going to win film editing. You've got two really interesting action-driven movies in Baby Driver and Dunkirk. I, Tanya, I think does some really fascinating stuff with its editing work. I just saw it recently, so that's really fresh in my mind, so that's why I say that. But really, this is Baby Driver's award to lose. We've seen time and time again that Edgar Wright is the master of marrying 
both visual and sound cues and the way that he kind of puts it all together and edits it together is just absolutely stunning. And frankly, this is his award to lose. The only real maybe contender would be Dunkirk, which uses three different timelines and merges them into one movie. And the audience is always kind of able to tell exactly what is going on with these timelines. So this is going to be another one where three billboards, it's just not has has no chance to win regardless of if it wins best picture or not The next film we're going to talk about today is Darkest Hour, which was directed by Joe Wright and was released on December 22nd. The film has six nominations. Best Picture, Best Actor for Gary Oldman, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, and Best Production Design. So first we're going to talk about the big one, which is Best Picture. I... When I saw the trailers for this movie, I was expecting this to be just your regular wrote by the numbers biopic uh, that really only centers around one big performance and not my cup of tea. Well, almost all of that was true, but I did actually enjoy it. It's still very much a by the numbers biopic without much going on. Um, but, uh, what a, what a fascinating movie. Nonetheless, it was really funny, a lot funnier than I thought it would be. Um, and good use of tension, all that sort of stuff. All that said, this movie stands zero chance of actually winning best picture. You know, you've got a few different tiers. You've got the top tier of the shape of water and three billboards. And then I'd say you've got your second tier, which is Lady Bird and Dunkirk, followed by your super dark horse of Get Out and Call Me By Your Name. And then down at the bottom, you've got Phantom Thread, Darkest Hour, and The Post. There is... No timeline that this movie ends up winning, uh, as interesting as it is. It doesn't have a best picture, a best director nomination as well. Um, the fact that it doesn't have a film editing also hurts its chances. Uh, so yeah, this is just a happy to be there sort of movie. Uh, but one that isn't just happy to be there is Best Actor. Gary Oldman, much like Sam Rockwell, spent a very long time being uh, a great underrated actor, and then he seems now to finally be getting his due as one of the greatest of this last generation. He got nominated in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy a few years back. I can't remember if he has any other nominations, but this looks like to be his surefire win and sort of lifetime achievement award uh, from the Academy for overlooking him for so many years. He, you know, he dons the fat suit. He does the accent. Even though he is British, he still does a Winston Churchill accent. Um, he really commits himself. So it's sort of a no-brainer that he's going to win if there is any sort of fumbling and they don't go with him. His only real competition is Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name. The other actors are sort of all just lucky to be there. Daniel Day-Lewis, 
unless they want to give him a retirement Oscar. Uh, I don't think he'll he'll win. Daniel Kaluuya, same thing. And Denzel Washington, I think, is just happy to be there too, since his movie was not received very well. One thing that also I think is I'm unsure how to look at it is the Makeup and Hairstyling Award. There's only three nominees in this category. You've got Wonder, Victoria, and Abdul, and then Darkest Hour. This is a super hard category to predict because you never know which way the Academy is going to go. Is it the flashiest? Is it the most innovative? Which What, what sort of makeup do they want to award? Uh, Darkest Hour, you know, you've got old men in the Winston Churchill fat suit, the jowls, everything. You look at him and you have to assume that he actually put on that weight and it's shocking to see that he did not that that is all suit prosthetics so and that my opinion is i think that's definitely deserving but then you have something like wonder which you never really know how is the academy gonna go um if i was to put money on right now it might be darkest hour but i i definitely see a path where wonder is probably the overall winner for this Next, we've got the cinematography. Um, you know, the cinematography in the movie was was good, but I think it's not going to stand a chance to the trifecta up at the top. You've got Shape of Water, Dunkirk, and Blade Runner 2049. All of them do some really interesting camera work um, that really puts it above and beyond what Darkest Hour does. I'm personally pulling for Roger Deakins to finally, finally, finally get an Oscar for Blade Runner 2049. You can read about that in my Oscar primer that came out this week. Um, but, you know, you can't count out Dunkirk or Shape of Water at this point as well, especially if Shape of Water looks like to be the big winner of the night. Um Unfortunately, Dark Stour and Mudbound are just not going to be the winners. Then you have costume design. Um, this is, this is kind of a tough category. It's a period piece, but there isn't really anything that boundary pushing of what they're doing. It's just England during World War II. You're up against some really tough categories, a movie that's literally about making dresses and costumes and phantom thread. So that obviously has stunning costumes in it. Beauty and the Beast is a really beautiful, fantastical movie with also lots of great costumes. Shape of Water does some really interesting, unique things as far as playing with color palettes. Um, and with that being the best picture front runner, one of the front runners as well, that can really come up too. So at this point, Darkest Hour really does not stand a chance as for what it's got going on. The last nomination of this category is best production design, which is the set. Um, this is another one where just be happy to be there. No, there is, there is no way there's four movies ahead of it. Really? Um, you've got shape of water that looks like that's probably going to be the big winner on the night. As far as the most wins, even if it doesn't win best picture, this is definitely one that's going to sweep up. It does so many interesting things with blues and greens and such a beautiful palette going on and interesting and unique sets. Beauty and the beast. That's got some great stuff going on. Blade Runner 2049. I always go back to the Vegas scenes in that movie and how stunning uh, everything about that is. Uh, but yeah, there, there's no way that, that Darkest Hour will actually come atop in this category. This is too tough of one for them.
And the last movie we're going to talk about today is Lady Bird, which was directed by Greta Gerwig and was released on December 1st. The film has five nominations. Best Picture, Best Actress for Saoirse Ronan, Best Supporting Actress for Laurie Metcalf, Best Director, Greta Gerwig, and Best Original Screenplay, also Greta Gerwig. So this was a movie that, when it came out, I was really pegging as a real front runner for Best Picture. It seems to have been overtaken by uh, Three Billboards and The Shape of Water. But if there was any sort of vote splitting going on, I would have to think that Lady Bird is next in line to win. It isn't a flashy movie, but boy, does it do a lot of things great that I really love. It's a great coming-of-age story centered around uh, a strong young woman. It's really funny. It's really heartfelt. You really go through the whole gamut of emotions that I love that this movie really tackles. Um, is there a way for this movie to win? Sure. Three billboards, you know, being deemed too politically incorrect or the shape of water, not the Academy, not wanting to give it to a sci-fi movie, which it's never done before. Lady Bird really is the next best option in that group, along with maybe something like Dunkirk, uh, or get out even. Um, I think the fact that Gerwig is nominated for director will definitely help this movie. Uh, in fact, I'm going to switch over now to talk about Greta Gerwig's direction. Um, she becomes only the fifth woman to ever be nominated for Best Director, which is an amazing feat. Uh, it's a damn shame, though, that there has only been five. This year alone was a year for great mainstream female directorial movies. Uh, you had Wonder Woman directed by Patty Jenkins, Mudbound directed by Dee Reese, The Beguiled directed by Sofia Coppola. So you have four very excellent movies there alone that were all... Academy caliber, but sadly, uh, only Gerwig made the cut for best director. Um, do I think she'll win? I don't think the movie does enough flashy things to really warrant, uh, that being the case, which is, which is a shame. Uh, it really looks like it'll probably come down to Guillermo del Toro or Christopher Nolan, uh, with Greta Gerwig probably be, being third on that list right up there with Jordan Peele. Um, I really like Gerwig's direction and I cannot wait to see what she does next. But unfortunately, it seems like this will not be her year. For Best Actress, we've got Saoirse Ronan, who I personally think should be uh, the real front runner for this race. She turns in a powerhouse performance. She's already been nominated for, I think, twice before for Atonement and last year with Brooklyn. Brooklyn was probably one of my favorite performances uh, from that year, and Ronan, I think, definitely should have won. So in any other year, I could easily see this would have been their atonement. Huh, pun there. Uh, did not mean for that, for not giving it to Brooklyn. But uh, I really think it's going to end up going to McDermott with Ronan coming in second place, maybe having to fight off Margot Robbie for those votes too. Um, I really hope Sersha wins one time soon because she is turning into an absolutely stellar actor uh, and one of our best of this generation. Then we've got the supporting actress role, Laurie Metcalf, where like 
who would have predicted a year ago that the woman from Roseanne would turn in one of the best performances? She plays a mother who has a tenuous relationship with her daughter, uh, although there seems to be a bit more love and care behind her motivations. She still has a bit of a, a troubled relationship um, with Lady Bird, her daughter, um, and she's going to be up against a really tough Allison Janney performance. Janney and I, Tanya also kind of has a troubled relationship with her daughter, although hers is much more psychologically abusive uh, than anything Laurie Metcalf's character does in Lady Bird. Uh, but the two of them really are kind of going to be at the top. The Academy likes Allison Janney. I think I believe she's been nominated before, so I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up winning this time around too. But it looks like it's going to be one of those two with the other three sort of uh, on the outside looking in, regardless of what ends up happening. And then lastly, we have Best Original Screenplay. Um, we talked about the screenplays a little bit earlier uh but that was the adapted screen uh the sorry the original screenplays where this is also in um three billboards looks like the front runner but i can really see get out being the uh should have the most deserving movie that doesn't get best picture will pick up this award and i can also see the lady bird also kind of coming in especially depending on how it does with other things you know if it ends up winning best picture it's going to win best uh, original screenplay as well so that's definitely something to really be aware of and paying attention to so i hope you enjoyed this first episode of ContraZoom Oscar Primer 2018. This is going to be coming every week until we get through all of the nominees, all the Best Picture nominees. Make sure you check out liveandlimbo.com where the Oscar, the written Oscar Primer is going to be. I'm going to link to the first one in the show notes for this. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ContraZoomPod. Well, that's the show. Or you can follow me directly at DGAPA. And let us know uh, who you think are going to win these categories. Who's going to come out on top for Best Picture and everything else that we talked about today as i mentioned go live in limbo.com for the show notes and you'll see everything that we talked about here thanks so much for listening